because we now have the Cinema Giants! Hello, 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 and welcome to the Cinema Judge. To all my regulars out there, welcome back. If you're new to the show, welcome aboard, and I hope my voice finds you well. Now, approach the bench today, we have the prequel to Willy Wonka. It's called simply Wonka, and it stars Timothy Charlemagne. Here's a brief description of the movie. With dreams of opening a shop in a city famous for its chocolate, a young and poor Willy Wonka discovers that the industry is run by a cartel of greedy chocolatiers. Here's a trailer for Wonka. (laughs) So you're the funny little man who's been following me. Funny little man? How dare you? I will have you know that I am a perfectly respectable size for an Oompa Loompa. In Oompa what now? In fact, in Lumpaland, I am regarded as something of a whopper. They call me Lofty. Sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, greetings to you all. My name is Willy Wonka. You see, I'm something of a magician. Prepare to be amazed. Teapot. <laughs> Inventor. May I present Willy Wonka's wild and wonderful wishy-washy Wonka Walker. Please don't make me say that again. And chocolate maker. The best chocolate in the world. Ooh. He's good. Too good. And anyone can afford them. Even the... The poor? He doesn't like it when people say poor. Send Wonka a message. Do not sell chocolate in this town! You're gonna get more than a bonk on the head. I love a bonk on the head. What is with me today? You should stand up to those bullets. Give them the old one, two. I got an idea. Where do we start? Making chocolate, of course. Run away! Every good thing in this world started with a dream. So you hold on to yours. It's time to change the world. Bumpa, lumpa, dumpa, diddy. I'm not in premium economy. Good night, sir. I am going flat. Huh. What is it? Nothing. Well, it's obviously something, because you said, huh. Forget it. Very well. Huh. You did it again. Tell me what it is, or I shall poke you quite viciously with a cocktail stick. Now, speaking just from my personal opinion, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. It's sweet, it's heartfelt, it's funny, it has so much going on in it. In the effects that they have, there's a lot of it that's actually practical effects. It's not all CGI. And that's what makes this kind of movie stand out too. Yes, there is some CGI. I'm not saying that. But it's it's the, it's the combination of both of them together really work. But the casting too, you're going to hear from a lot of the cast members in here. And that just speaks for the, the movie's quality itself. Just loaded with top-notch people. Coming up next, we have several interviews 
talking about how this movie was created or why people joined it in the whole genesis of it all. But first, we're going to hear from Timothy Chalamet. Now, you might ask yourself, what else has he been in? Well, this guy, he is racking up the credits left and right. The talent that he has is amazing. But just to name a couple films that you might have heard of, in 2017 alone, he did Call Me By Your Name and Lady Bird. And of course, the Dune films. And that's what sets him up, too. Look at the difference between the movie Dune and in a movie like Wonka. And then he also did the TV show Homeland. The guy has chops and he, his future is going to be insane. And he talks about why he decided to take this role. And then we go to writer-director Paul King. And he, look at what he's done, too. He did the Paddington films. Those are so heartfelt and loved by so many people. That heart is also in this movie. And he talks about how he approached the film and how he went back to read the book and just to see what it was all really about. Because, you know, there's things that we all remember, but then he realized there's so much more to it. That's how he tried to get a grasp on it. And then we're going to hear from producer David Heyman, and he talks about why he approached the director to do this film. And then we go back to the director, Paul King, and he talks about what kind of movie he wanted to make. These interviews that are coming up, I love hearing about how they get attached to a project and what made them think, yes, this is something I want to tackle. Because if you look at the legacy of this whole franchise, it's a lot to live up to. And I think they really did it. I got approached to do Wonka, um, you know, sometime in 2021 and immediately was so charmed by the script. You know, the lyrics for Half Full of Dreams um, were written out without the music, but I just was like so charmed and instantly got a sense of the character who whose money's dwindling but like refuses to um see the world as anything less than full of possibilities and and uh and I just saw I saw the take I saw the the how this was different than the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory versions of Willy Wonka and I thought it was clever and I was charmed by that well, I grew up loving Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, like many uh, people my age, I, I sort of had this uh, early uh, paperback with the, the, the Quentin Blake illustrations, and uh, I read it from cover to cover so often the, the pages fell out of the spine. And, and it was always a really uh, special story and a special character for me. And when David Heyman, the producer, mentioned the idea of, of doing Young Wonka, I was Im immediately intrigued. And I went back and read the book again, and I'd remembered... Willy Wonka and the Oompa Loompas and the kind of uh, crazy, colourful chocolate factory. But what I'd f forgotten about the book was how incredibly moving and emotional it is as well. And Charlie's this poor, long-suffering character, and and you're really rooting for him. And at the end, when he when he inherits the, the factory, I, I found myself in floods of tears. And I thought, that's what's so great about this book is it's funny and it's colourful and it's uh, chaotic. But it's also got this really strong emotional spine. And I thought, it's such a wonderful world. It's sort of everything I've always loved about stories. It's everything I tried to do in the Paddington films. And the chance of being able to dip my toe into that world was too enticing for words. We needed to find someone who had the imagination and enjoyed Dahl as much as, as we did, as the fans do. And so I approached Paul King. Paul, I'd had success working on the two Paddington films. And... What I loved about Paul and his approach to Paddington was his ability to capture the voice of Michael Bond and make it accessible for both adults and children, imbue it with a rich thematic underpinning and bring an incredible imagination to play. That 
felt like real ingredients that we wanted to bring to Wonka. We wanted heart, we wanted humor, we wanted someone who could capture the spirit of Dahl and someone who would give the story a rich thematic element. We wanted to make a film that would stand as a companion piece to the book and, and the 1971 movie and, and, and not sort of have anything that would uh, disrupt your enjoyment of those, of those uh, uh, pieces. And uh, we were interested in telling the story of Willy Wonka before he was famous and before he had the chocolate factory, when he was a sort of young man, first going out into the world and, and hoping to find a, a place which rewarded talent and hard work and is uh, startled and disappointed to discover the world is a tougher place than he first imagined. Now, I can't even imagine the stress as a filmmaker, writer. You have to tackle something that has a massive fan base not just from the movies, but the books, and try to thread that needle of telling the story of young Wonka and what to say, what not to say, and not to mess with the history that it already has. I mean, that's that's a bold, bold individ individual who could do that. And I loved hearing him talk about younger younger Wonka. And up next, we'll hear Timothy talk about that a little bit more. He's going to elaborate on telling the story of a Wonka who isn't rich and famous, who isn't at the mental state that we find him in the later movies because he's a young man. He's not there yet. He doesn't understand the way the world necessarily works. And then we're going to hear from the director talking about why he wanted Timothy to do this film. He talks to the movies he saw him in and how could you not? The guy has such charisma. And I'd love hearing the director talk about this, about thinking I, this guy should play this role. And then we're going to hear from Timothy talking about how, how the set what kind of set he created and how much atmosphere there is and how much he enjoyed working with the director. And you need that in all kinds of films, whether it's a comedy, drama, you need that comfort level for everybody to just make it an enjoyable place to work. And then we're going to have a clip for you. But let me give you a little background on this. And I don't want to give too much of the story away because that's not like, that's what we, we don't do that here. We don't like to give away spoilers too much. But in this story, he comes to this town and he only has a few pennies on him or a few coins, which he ends up losing. And he has to stay at a hotel and he stays at this place. And these people aren't the most honest people there are. And in this scene, Wonka is going to work because he has to work there because right now he doesn't have any money. So he's walking to work and one of the owners, the guy is standing in the street. And from afar, you hear the woman yelling at the guy going, Hey, you know, get to work. And Wonka's going to go inside and he, he turns on to the guy, she loves you. You you should, you know, clean up your act. And this guy looks kind of grimy, hair's all askew, just kind of filthy. And Wonka tells him, take a bath, show your legs. In the movie, they have a whole speech on, well, this gets you this and this gets you this. It, it's kind of a funny scene. But he tells him, clean up your act because she loves you. Then they cut to him walking into the building and he has these shorts on, suspenders, and the woman is up on a ladder and she looks at him, well, you know, why don't you come over here? Well, I'm keeping my knees warm. And he pulls her over and it's just a little scene of he's trying to manipulate them to try to get them off their feet so they could do what they need to do to get the chocolate stuff going. Well, this is a, this young Willy Wonka is different than the Willy Wonka from both prior versions, versions that I love. But those versions of Willy Wonka are the Willy we know from the Roald Dahl books where he's had decades, decades of success. He's a little fried. The synapses in his brains are a little twisted. 
and uh, and he's giving away his factory for one reason or another. This Willy Wonka is the story of the beginning of Willy Wonka and the ambitious young chocolatier who hasn't made it yet, who's full of ambition, full of joy, full of a hat full of dreams, but isn't quite where he wants to be yet. Timothy Chalamet is an extraordinary talent. Uh, I first came across him in Call Me By Your Name and I, I was blown away uh, by his performance in that. And then the same year I saw him in Lady Bird where he was completely different and wildly funny. And I, I just knew from that moment he was an incredibly special talent. Uh, what Timothy does so brilliantly is he is able to sort of access the the, the depths of human emotion uh, and uh, express them while at the same time being very funny and very charming and uh, incredibly precise because we have huge song and dance sequences in this that required great uh, precision and choreography and he's able to seemingly keep all these sp plates spinning at once it, it's a marvel to behold there are many moving parts on a paul king movie but it's also uh a very joyful ride and um you know full of laughs and a sense of play that in the style of self-serious filmmaking that's more fashionable now maybe it's not as present on other i mean this is really this is really a fun set and he's got a wicked sense of humor the unmistakable sound of love you watch don't tell me you hadn't noticed. What? She's madly in love with you. You just need to tidy yourself up a little bit. Get some new clothes. Have a bath. A bath? Have you done something with your hair? Maybe. Maybe not. What are you doing all the way over there? Keeping my knees warm. Well, why don't you come over here and have a glass of gin? Why don't you come over here, where it's all hot? Oh, my Lord. Now, the woman in that scene is Olivia Coleman, and she nails this role out of the park playing Mrs. Scrubbit. She just morphs into this character. <laughs> she, she just owns it completely. I just, everything she does, she is just insanely talented. I'll watch anything she's in. But coming up next, we're going to hear from the director. And he's going to talk about the character Noodle. And this young actress is so full of talent. She's Kayla Lane. And in this interview, he talks about how she's more weathered and street smart than Wonka by a long shot. Both these characters complement each other so well. So together, they kind of share these things back and forth to each other and make each person more whole, if you will. And then we're going to hear from Kayla Lane, who plays Noodle. And she talks a little bit about her character. And then we're going to hear from the director just singing the praises of Kayla. And it sounds like the feelings are pretty mutual because then we're going to hear from Kayla talking about how much she enjoyed working with the director. And then we have a clip for you. And in this clip, we have Noodle. She's kind of in the background in the scene. You'll hear her whisper, read the fine print. Because in the scene, Wonka is coming to the hotel for the first time. He needs a room. And she, she pulls out the contract for him. And it, these pages are kind of folded up. And a little sliding door opens up behind a desk. And Noodle says, read the fine print. So in case you don't hear that, she says, read the fine print. And then he, he, he walks back with the paper. And this is a long sheet of paper that keeps unrolling, unrolling, unrolling a lot of fine print. And as he's doing this, she looks over to that guy that was in the earlier scene. Like, come on over here. 
he walks over there and he's in a poultice billy club. But it, then he goes, okay, I've read enough. I'm good. And then whoop, he hides a billy club. And then she's all oh, wonderful. Welcome, welcome here. In, in a nutshell, that's what the scene is. In this story, uh, Willy Wonka has a, a, a young girl who he befriends called Noodle. And uh, Willy's a very sort of childlike character. He's got an infectious enthusiasm for everything, a sort of recklessness and a sense that everything will vaguely come out in the wash. He's a very sort of hopeful soul. Uh, Noodle is an old head on young shoulders and she's grown up in this city and uh, she knows that it's, uh, she's sort of very much been to the school of hard knocks and she knows that it's a tough place where everyone's out for themselves. So they're going to work together and and they will uh they will rub off on each other as the movie goes on so willie will give her a sense of hope and optimism in the future and she will give him a dash of cynicism and reality which helps turn him into the willy wonka we all know and love well about my character noodle is um she's an orphan and um she stays down in this wash house where she's you know not really loved (laughs) and she has to work all the time and it's just you know it's hard for her and she doesn't really have a family so when willie comes around She's like, oh, maybe I can have a friend. So um, she decides to help him, and she he just takes her along, along his journey to become a, talk, a chocolatier. Kayla is a wonderful talent. We uh, we auditioned literally thousands of, of young actors to find her, and uh, it was a pr- proper global search to find her. And I think she brings uh, a, an absolute uh, warmth and integrity and humor to the character, and she's just extraordinary. He's really great. He loves... He loves to make um, like heartfelt films. That's what I, I really like about him. Um, he's like a kind. He's a kind person, and he and he believes in his actors. And he likes to go back and forth with his actors and say, "Okay, well, if you don't want to do this, then let's do this." Or like he's open to anything. Got just the thing for you: the entrepreneurial package. Now the room is one sovereign a night, but you don't have to pay till six tomorrow. Does that give you enough time to earn a few pennies? More than enough, Mrs. Scrubby. Thank you. Oh, it's the least I can do for a stranger in need. Now, sign here and we're all done. Alrighty. Read the small bread. What? Thank you, Lou. That'll do. Oh, what'd you say? Who's that in? The girl. What girl? That girl. It sounded like read the small print and there does seem to be a lot of it. Oh. 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 Oh, 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 just keeps on coming. Yeah, you don't want to listen to Noodle, Mr Wonka, she's damaged. She was dropped down the laundry chute as a bab, and I took her in out the goodness of my heart, and I've done my best, Mr Wonka, honest I have, but she's been left with a suspicious nature. She sees conspiracy everywhere. Poor girl. I know. These are just your standard T's and C's, but you're welcome to take a look if you want. I'll just give it one over. <gasps> Well, that all seems to be in order. Billy? Uh huh. Hello. Ah, oh, and then welcome to Scrubbies. Now, this movie is just chock full of incredible actors and actresses. And in this next interview with Timothy, he's going to name off the people. I'm not going to name them here because when he names them off, you're like, oh, wow, look at just boom, 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 boom. And I just love hearing an actor talking about how amazing he was being on set, surrounded by all these talented people. And during the interview, he speaks of Hugh Grant, who plays the Oompa Loompa. <laughs> so after that interview, we're going to hear from the director. And he's going to talk about 
how he delved back and looked into the history of the Oompa Loompas, and the more he started writing it and thinking about it, he realized he has to have Hugh Grant. And then we're going to hear from Hugh Grant talking about the pitch that the director gave to him. I mean, it's just, you got to love it. It's, it's a great story. And then we have a clip for you. And in this clip, Hugh Grant, who is the Oompa Loompa, he sneaks into Wonka's bedroom in the dead of night. He's walking and, and he's, boom, he, spring, he gets sprung into a trap, gets thrown into this little glass container. And Wonka's like, ah, I finally caught you. And there's a great backstory to that whole scene, and I won't, I won't ruin it for you. But in this clip, he just he's stuck inside this little contraption here, and they're talking to each other. Hugh Grant is incredible in this movie. He nails it. Whatever he does, he did a, a fantastic job. I just wish he was in it more. I mean, again, there's a lot of stuff going on, and that's just a small little opinion thing there. But I wish they would have had more of him. Because he's stellar. But that's coming up next. We're going to cross Hugh Grant, Olivia Coleman, and Rowan Atkinson was like uh, seeing like the British all-stars uh, on set every day, uh, let alone Keegan-Michael Key, who's hilarious. Somebody sketches I grew up on, Matt Lucas, Matt Bayton. These are all, you know, Patterson Joseph. These are all wonderful British actors. So, yeah, it sort of felt like stepping into a, like a Sunday roast or something as the ignorant Yankee from across the seas, you know, across the pond. The Oompa don't have much dialogue in the, in the books or, or either of the films. And, uh, uh, I, so, I, so, so, so I went back to the book. Well, what they do have in the book are these very, very long songs, and they're very funny. But sort of, they're written as poems by Roald Dahl. Uh, but it's supposed to be the Oompa singing, and they're sort of pages long. And I was reading these, and they're so biting and sarcastic. And uh, the Oompa Loompas seem to take this sort of gleeful pleasure in the demise of all the ghastly children touring the factory. And I just found Hughes voice coming into my head. I've been lucky enough to work with him on Paddington too. And uh, uh, once I had his voice in my head with an Oompa Loompa. It wasn't such a huge leap to imagine him 18 inches high with orange skin and bright green hair. And once that image is in your head, you've got to find some way of, of getting it out. So my way was to make it a reality. We were always in contact vaguely since Paddington 2. And then I think uh, he just emailed me one day and said um, he was doing this. And then he, he explained how much he loved the Oompa Loompas in those early films, particularly for being so unpleasant. And he said, you know, <laughs> I, uh, uh, whenever I think of someone really curmudgeonly and unpleasant, I immediately think of you. And so it, um, that was his pitch. I can speak. Now let me out of here or I shall shriek. Let me out! Not until I take a good look at you. Good evening. So you're the funny little man who's been following me. Funny little man. How dare you. I will have you know that I am a perfectly respectable size for an Oompa Loompa. An Oompa what now? In fact, in Loompa Land, I am regarded as something of a whopper. They call me Lofty. <sighs> and when you see this film you two are going to realize <laughs> how much Hugh Grant just steals the scenes he's in. 
He's remarkable. And here's a, this, I think you'll believe, think this too. We should get together and tell the big shots out there. They need to do a movie with him as an Oompa Loompa, whether it be his backstory or whatever it is. That's that he, that would be so awesome. So let's get that going. People get Hugh Grant in and do a whole movie with his character. Come on, let's get this going. In this movie, there's a lot of singing and dancing. And to choreograph all that is not easy. I can't even imagine the prep it takes to do this. And Timothy is up next, and he talks about that. Prepping for it, getting the shots down, because you got to be at the right spot at the right time with all these moving parts. And he just talks about what a challenge that was. And then we're going to hear from somebody that we don't often hear about when we do these kind of shows. We're going to hear from the choreographer. And that's what I love. I just love getting to the nuts and bolts and having somebody who's as this skilled as this talk about that whole process. And it's Christopher Catelli. And if I'm not saying that wrong, I apologize. Because these guys, I'm glad that they finally get to have a voice. Because we always hear from the actors and all these other people, which is great. I love it. But when it comes down to something as specific as this, I love it. Give them a voice. They've trained. They had to work hard. And here's him talking about that and how impressed he is with Timothy. He was dedicated, focused, and was like, I'm going to keep doing this until I get it right. Because this guy knows you just can't have a guy just going through the motions. He has to have the character going through the motions. Then it's real. And that's how focused Timothy was. He wanted to get to that point where he could do that. And then we're going to have another clip for you. And in this clip, Wonka is trying to get out of work so he could go secretly sell chocolate. So he created this invention, and there's a treadmill that he has this dog running on, and then all these parts pop up and water splashing all around. He's explaining it to all his coworkers. This is how we're going to get some stuff done, and they won't know that I'm gone. You'll see what I'm saying, or you'll hear what I'm saying coming up in that scene. Because most of my work was motion capture, I, I didn't really have much interaction with Timothy, except one day when, as an experiment, we tried doing motion capture in a tent to the side of the set while he was actually acting. And I did meet him that day, and I liked him a lot. He was great and funny. There was more training that went into this than maybe anything I'd ever worked on, uh, because there's an element of song and dance that you 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 have to uh you know spend months uh prepping obviously for the songs you got to record them pre-record them and for the dance numbers I've talked about it before but I was really humbled by you know it's not simply about raw expression you really got to stay in the center of frame on some shots uh, some shots you might be killing it but um another dancer might have messed up you know all sorts of variables that you wouldn't really consider in a a b talking scene you know uh so it was more challenging, but ultimately more rewarding than maybe something more traditional. I can't say enough good things about him. I really, his work ethic and his um, his wanting, his his care is just, uh, it's unlike anyone I've worked with. I mean, he, he learned to tap dance for this. He, I mean, he went to the performing arts art, art school in New York, so he knew a little bit, but but not a lot of the styles we did here, so he learned how to heat ballroom and all, like everything. He had to throw himself into everything for this movie, and um, and his just his care about it. Like he would just go over something over and over and over. He's like, I have to do it five times till I get it right. I have to do it five times till I get it right. And it, it just it it was so inspiring to to watch him work and and the care that he took about it. It wasn't just like, oh yeah, I'll get it on the day or oh I'll you know. He really 
wants to be prepared he, he, so he can then act it as well. Because I always say it's not about, you know, when I, when I choreograph something, it's not necessarily about the steps. It's about having that be a base for the actor so they can then perform it and then let the character do, do it. So, and that's exactly what he did. I mean, he just, you know, threw himself into these moves and, and the blocking just so much that then it's Willy Wonka doing it. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present to you a brand new contraption of my creation, an innovation in longification. Scrub, scrub. Let me ask you a question. How does Tittles want to spend all his time chasing after Milman? And what do I have to do all day, fellow scrubbers, please? Scrub, scrub. But now, with Willy Wonka's wild and wonderful wishy-washy Wonka Walker, please don't make me say that again, Tittles gets to run, and I can have fun. Scrub, scrub. Just popping out for a bit. I'll be back before roll call. Until then, Tittles has agreed to scrub, scrub. Now I could talk all day long about how incredibly talented Timothy is in this film, but why take it from me? Here's the two producers sing his praises, and I'll just let them ride it out because they say it much better than I could possibly do. First, you're going to hear from Alexandra Derbyshire, and then David Heyman. And just listening to people talk about what he brings to this character, what he brings to this role, and this isn't contrived or forced or anything like that because everything they had, they're invested in this film. If they didn't believe in him, they wouldn't have him here. But then this hearing truly his dedication of encompassing this role, I love it. So I'll just let those guys go. And then immediately after that, we have a clip for you. And in this clip, Wonka's first day of his shop is opening up. Everybody's coming into the shop. But then people start eating some of the stuff and their hair starts changing colors and a little girl grows a mustache one guy turns like all green, whatever it is. Somebody poisoned the the recipe. And then these people just start wigging out. And he's like, wait a minute, I didn't do this. And that's kind of where things go in that scene. You know, from the very moment he showed up, he was he's an, he's an extraordinary talent. And he he embodies Wonka in the most incredible way and, and grew with the character throughout the shoot. Um and, and he can dance and he can sing. And he's a really top person as well. So, I mean, it was an absolute pleasure, you know, having him, having him in the film. And he's so professional and dedicated to making it right. And I think he and Paul had an incredible relationship on set. Um, and Timmy would always watch every take back. They'd make notes together. He'd always want to do another one to make it better, you know, so absolutely invested and I think the way that he can he, he can show emotion in a really subtle way on screen and flip between being funny and then and then and then the pathos is so sophisticated the performance is so sophisticated that um, I think I think that surprised me and how he can go through 10 takes and that nuance of performance is um, is just you know something to watch. Wonka is a wonderful character. We have our own iconic actor playing Willie, Timothy Chalamet. He is amazing. Here we are on day 70, and every day he brings something new to the table. He, like Willie, is an artist, is passionate. He, like Willie, is mischievous with a twinkle in his eye. He is soulful and beautiful, bringing him to life in the most vivid and magical way. I cannot think of anyone else today who could play Willie and bring him 
to life the way that Timmy has. It is incredibly exciting. And I am confident the audiences the world over from nine to 109 will fall in love with him and his portrayal of Willy Wonka. Uh, Mr. Wonka? Yes? What's going on here? Oh my goodness. That's impossible. Unless... Yeti sweat? Yeti sweat. The most powerful hair potion in the world. I didn't put it in there. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please! There appears to be a manufacturing error. Nobody eat the flowers! Uh, why not? What's wrong with them? What's the matter with this toadstool? My daughter took one bite and just look at her! There's nothing wrong with the chocolate milk, is there? I'm terribly sorry, everyone, and I know how to explain this, but it appears that the chocolates have been poisoned. Poisoned? What's poison? Poison my child! I didn't, I didn't poison them. I want my money back. I want compensation. I want revenge. This movie truly is a spectacle for the eyes, the senses, the music, the directing, the sets, the practical sets. So much needs to be said. So this is what I'm going to do. I made a corporate decision here. I have a bunch of interviews coming up here, and they all talk generally about that, about the director, the, the production, how it makes you feel. And I'm, instead of interrupting every interview with me doing this, you come here for them. So that's what I'm going to give you. I'm just going to list off in order who's coming up, not necessarily what they talk about, but just keep in mind they're all talking about the spectacle, the the director, everything like that. So first, we're going to hear from producer Alexandra again. Then we're going to hear from the choreographer, Hugh Grant, back to the producer. And then we're going to hear from Keegan-Michael Key. And I I know I realized we didn't cover his character here, but he is wonderful in this film. He's funny. He's truly the guy is just amazing to watch him work. It's it's effortless. That's what makes him such a wonderful actor, comedian, whatever he does. It feels as effortless. And that's not I mean, it's not easy to do, and it's obviously not effortless. It's his hard work, his this abilities, whatever. But we're gonna hear from him. I just had to say that briefly about him. His character is hilarious in this movie. You got to give it a check out. And then we hear from the star of the movie here. We hear from Timothy. And then we hear from Olivia Coleman. Again, she's incredible. I love her, everything she does. And then we're going to hear from the woman who plays Noodle, Kayla Lane. And mark my word right here, right now, people, write it down. Whatever you got to do, she's going to have a great career. And then we're going to hear from the person who did the hair and makeup. And if I say your name wrong, ma'am, I truly apologize. Ivana Primorak. And she just also talks about that kind of stuff. Here it is, people. I'm just going to let it rip. The whole movie feels really joyful, like from its color, from its movement. And I think that's what we all need. You know, we really need this film to because it, re, it, it makes you smile. We were smiling on set a lot when we were doing those musical numbers. And like, yeah, this is really something. It has everything. It really does. Knowing what we've been a part of and knowing what we haven't been a part of. I mean, there are so many things I haven't seen yet or don't even, I don't have no idea what they look like. I mean, just the, just what we've been a part of feels special and exciting. So I can't imagine what the rest of the movie is going to feel like. So I, I think there's a lot, a lot, a lot to love about this movie. Paul King's very good at uh, 
at moving people. I mean, I, the number of people who've told me that they cry at the end of Paddington 2. I know I cry at the end of Paddington 2. And there's a lot in this film which is very moving, and it's sort of Dickensian in a way, and uh, really grabs your heartstrings. And then it should be a visual feast. A wonderful director of photography, production design, uh, music, dancing. I can't see how it can't be a hit. He's an incredible artist and innovator, but he also just cares so much about the material and, and the film and the filmmakers with him. And he's just got such a specific vision that um, he, he just manages somehow to manipulate the world into what he's seeing. And it's, a, it's so precise on every level, on every layer. And he's involved in all of it whether it's the music or the art department or the performances or he's the whole thing. So he's a real auteur director, I'd say. And that's what is, what a producer wants out of a director is, is, the, is to have that vision. And then obviously it's our job to help him try to bring that to life. Working with Paul King was such an honor. It was, he's such a collaborative director. He's also very, very good at knowing exactly what everything's gonna look like on camera. So when you, when you work with him, he gives you what you need as an actor, but he's always out to make the film and you look the best you possibly can. And that was really, really wonderful. And I think when you think of his past, of Paul's past work, um, the Paddington movies, there's a, there's a magical quality to those films that, um, is absolutely needed in Wonka. There is, uh, uh, this wonderful, um, imagination, explosion that happens because it's it's like things that we can imagine only in our lives he makes real and and that's something that's that's right up Paul's alley there's certain sort of homages little moments during this you can hear a, a trill of music which takes me back to the Gene Wilder one it ties everything in so beautifully and it goes back to a, an era of grand filmmaking and it, and the the tricks and the flights and things are all in camera they're not post and big musical scenes, musical numbers with tunes that I'm still hearing in my head. And I can imagine schools around the country the, the year after this film comes out do, doing this and singing these songs at school. It's, uh, he's done such a beautiful job and uh, he's made a masterpiece, I think. The message of Wonka is to never give up on your dreams. And uh, it's meant sincerely and heartfelt. It's not some tired Hollywood um, idea that we're trying to sell you. And it's got nothing to do with me. It's got everything to do with Paul King, the writer-director, who's come up with a very clever origin story for Willy Wonka. Uh, unexpected. And, at least from my perspective, really came through in his promise to, you know, uh, create something that makes you want to dream and makes you, whether you're a kid or an adult, get in touch with your inner child and and remember, you know, what the things are that make you who you are to begin with, which we, as we get older, kind of lose sight of. The sets, uh, Nathan Crowley sets are, you feel like you're walking into, you know, when you, I've been lucky enough to go to Disney, and it feels a bit like you're going into a, an adventure playground. It's so huge. The, the big square is really that size and the shop fronts and the chocolates were real. Everything was real. And also in the wash house, every drawer I opened had paper that, you know, was stamped with uh, scrubber and scrub it and bleacher and 
I just can't imagine how he does that. He sees clearly an empty warehouse and creates magical lands. He's a genius and it was a joy to go and look at everything. I love the sets. The sets are absolutely beautiful. Every set is is just its own character. And my favorite set, I'd say, is the Wonka chocolate shop. I love it. It's like when you walk in, it's just like, whoa. You see everything. It's just like a big, bright sun. <laughs> so it's crazy. When you see it and you see all the, the um, flowers and river and... It's just really cool to me. My initial conversation with Paul, um, he did ask me what I thought we should do. You know, do you do it all um, in in the post? Do do, do it digitally? And I I very strongly thought that we should do it practically, because I think everything is better um, if it's done practically and then maybe enhanced and tidied up afterwards in the post. And I think Paul. And now that I've seen the sets and everything we deal with is practical. Everything in our world is practical. And there's so much magic in that, I can't tell you. I've never seen anything more magical than, you know, cartel flying through the air for real and then holding on to each other's foot and holding on to the top of the fountain. Uh, it's, it, it's hilarious. And there's one more person I really want to have you hear this interview. They only have one of her. But when you watch this film, they show a lot of chocolate, a lot of things that people eat. Well, that wasn't just rocks or anything. They were real stuff created by a chocolatier. And I've, I've honestly never heard of a chocolatier. I didn't know that's what they were called. I guess I'm pretty dim. But it was really fun hearing this woman talk about what a, what a, what a, a moment of her life that this is, that she actually be able to create some of these concoctions that you see on film. And her name is Gabriella Cugno. And I, I just I just love hearing her joy because we, we never hear from somebody like this on a movie. It's like I said, we always hear the big name people, which I love, but hearing the chocolatier who created these things that you see on the screen and just hearing her joy talk about it. I love it. Gosh, this is probably one of the most magical experiences in my career slash life. Um, and it's just, you know, to be able to design and make the chocolates for such a story and a film, you know, this is the most creative um, quirky, most extraordinary chocolatier in the entire world. Um, so, yeah, for, for me to have this job of creating these chocolates is just a dream come true and such an honor. I just had to have her on there. I mean, what a thrill that must be. Now, what do you guys think? Is this something you want to see? Did I present it okay? I need your feedback. I, I really like your feedback. What I can do better? Because I can't grow if I don't know. That's what I like to do. This is a movie oasis, a place where you could come and learn about one movie, whether it's a blockbuster or independent film. I give you the evidence and you make up your own mind. I am never going to sit here and tell you not to see a movie. I might tell you I like a movie, but who am I to tell you not to see something? We all walk different paths. That's ridiculous to me because any movie is somebody's favorite movie. Now with this podcast, I have to, just want to tell you, there is a TV version of this. If you want to watch a TV version of this, you go to bit.ly slash cinemajudge, bit.ly slash cinemajudge. And on this episode, when you watch it online, I actually have four or so minutes of on-the-set footage. Obviously, I can't play that here because it wouldn't make any sense. But that's what sets the TV version away from this sometimes. And I didn't have the interview with the chocolatier on that that version either. 
but I could just, I could do more with it on, I have a lot, lot more freedom here, not restricted by time. On a TV version, I'm restricted by 29 minutes or so. But on that version, I do have B-roll. And that's what I just love doing sometimes. That's what both these show things make make me feel different ways. The TV version, I'm cranking tunes. I don't have to worry about walk, you know, talking like this or getting all confused or frustrated. That's that's my true happy place when I'm doing a TV version. I just wish I could have more space and more time, but I get it. That's you know, that's what comes with it all. That's why I come here so I can completely unload as much information that's needed or wanted or fits the timeline. So I'm always open to constructive input. I'm not asking you to yell or scream at me. That's not what we do here. I just want to listen and learn about a movie and how can I improve the show for you? Because it's a noisy world out there. I don't, I'm not trying to add to that. I just want to talk movies. And you might be listening to this two weeks from now, two months from now, two years from now. It doesn't matter. That's like, I just try to create a little bubble. And I love hearing how you listen to the show and what you're doing with it. Are you driving your car, sitting at home, at work. It doesn't matter. I just love it. And I love your feedback. You could give me feedback if you, on YouTube. Sometimes those shows, I can't put everything on it like I can here. Cause sometimes there's copyright issues or what have you. So if you ever do watch or listen right now to the YouTube version, and I was talking about something and it didn't show up, it's because I had to either cut it out or what have you. I just wanted to give you a heads up for those on the YouTube world who watch it there feel free, cinemajudge at hotmail.com or visit any other platform from TikTok, Hive, Mastodon, Pinterest, Tumblr, Threads. I'm on most platforms. Let me know what you think. Now, this is the part of the show where I give a shout out to as many listeners as I possibly can, to people who listen to the podcast, whatever platform you listen to. And I just love it. So wherever, whenever, or whatever you're doing, this is for you. United States, Germany, and Canada, just name a few countries. You guys, top shelf. Thanks so much, Germany and Canada. You're always there for me. Minneapolis, Minnesota, Los Angeles, California. Thank you so much for that. San Francisco, California, Dallas, Texas, New York, New York, St. Paul, Minnesota, Portsmouth, Virginia, Raleigh, North Carolina, Halifax, Nova Scotia. Is that anywhere near the Curse of Oak Island, guys? I have no idea, but I know they shoot it up there. That's that's my that's one of my favorite favorite shows. Tuesday night during the wintertime, Curse of Oak Island. So if you're in Nova Scotia there, that's around there, man, I salute you. That'd be so cool to meet those guys. Real quick side story on this. Years ago, I saw Neil Young, and I swear that guy was right in front of me, one of the brothers, and I just sat there going, I wanna say hi, I wanna say hi. But I didn't want to be that goofy fan who ruined somebody's night. But anyway, so <laughs> I digress. But thank you, Nova Scotia. Stillwater, Minnesota, Detroit Lakes, Minnesota, Frankfurt AM, Maine, Hesse. You're always there listening. I'm truly, truly grateful to you. And that's just to name a few. I couldn't name everybody, but I am so thrilled that you guys take time out of your life to listen to the show and you keep coming back. And now it's time for the bourbon shout out. This week, it goes out to the incredible crew at Imagine Theater in Lakeville, Minnesota. That's where I usually go see movies because I love their popcorn, love the environment. And I often talk to the crew that comes in after and cleans up. I love talking movies with you. And I talked to a few of you today. And it's so cool talking to them because they saw Wonka already twice. So it was really cool talking to somebody. What's their take on it? Right right out of the bat, out of the gate. So it was really cool talking to that crew today at Lakeville. So to you out in Lakeville, cheers.
And this is a side, side, side note. A couple weeks back, I saw Godzilla Minus One. Oh my goodness, guys. You got to see that movie. If I haven't already talked about this before, they're expanding it to more theaters in the coming days. If you haven't seen it, it's far more than just a monster movie. It has drama. It has action. It has comedy. Whatever. It's a wonderful, wonderful film. And it's far more than just a monster movie. Quote, air quote. I'm doing some air quotes here. But if you ever have a chance, Godzilla Minus One. Incredible film. I almost forgot to mention, when I was making a TV version of this, My Little Happy Place, this time I was listening to a, co- a collection I created for Dr. Hook. Because those guys, oh my goodness, people. They had some phenomenal songs. And everybody knows like the cover of Rolling Stone and Sylvia's Mother. I mean, which are great songs. And Sylvia Mother... Most people out there could relate to that song some way, somehow. But even if you deep, deep, dig deeper into their catalog, they have incredibly powerful songs, but then also hilarious tunes. Give them, give them a shot, guys. If you've never listened to Dr. Hook, give them a whirl. They have, I guess, songs that make you, almost make you ball your eyes out, and then you laugh your butt off. It's fantastic. They have such a diverse catalog. So I started, I listened to that when I was making making this. And then I also listened to... a. I wouldn't say one hit wonders. I call it a few hit wonders on my, 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 my device. So I was just cranking some of those tunes when I was making this too. But anyway, that's what I was cranking when I was making the TV version of this, which becomes this. Well, that is it. My glass awaits. I'm thirsty. So cheers to you and to the movies. So until next time, be well, be good, and I'm gone. I'm Jeff. Thanks for listening to The Cinema Judge. (laughs) 